Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A lot to look at, a lot to recap as we look at this absolutely crazy week. And uh, had the opportunity, I got some Q&A from some ag students, and we will talk about that as well. They have some questions about this cattle market. And the best person to bring in is Brad Coima with Coima Coima and Verilic out of Sioux Center, Iowa. And Brad, let's maybe start out recapping what we saw in the cash market this week. Yeah, I'd be glad to. And uh, <laughs> I think I need to give a disclaimer. Who else would you like to talk to? Maybe about anybody but me right now in the cattle market. Um, I, I, um, I, I would like to lead though with my chin and say that I am the, I am extremely um, sympathetic to the ag producer here. Uh, I, uh, the cattle producer, yeah, specifically to your question. This is. Um, It'll be 40 years that I've done this in June, and I start feeding cattle in 1976. So I've gone through enough of this black swan business to, to uh, more than more than most. This is this has no comparison, um, in my estimation, anyway. And uh, I have nothing but empathy uh, for those of us affected by this. Um, and um, We'll try to talk our way through this deal and try to see some light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, of course, the fact that this comes, you know, only six months or so on the heels of the Holcomb fire, uh, which has uh, also devastated, uh, you know, the, the producer industry as well. So, But your question was about a little bit of a retracement of what's been happening in the cash market. Um, so almost to the minute here, a week ago, um, you had... Um, the announcement that one of the major packers uh, was going to add $5 onto cattle that had been priced prior to that for any cattle that were delivered this week. Uh, and then that morphed into a little more uh, than just that. Um, that obviously set an early week tone here of extreme optimism, thinking, well, maybe that is the sign. You know, I, I remember saying to others that I had never heard of anything like that in the cattle industry and the only uh, precedent or only similar thing that I could remember uh, was back in 98 when hogs were eight or nine cents and farmland at that point came in and said you know what we're going to pay 17 and that signaled the bottom of the thing and it got a lot better and of course I and others were hoping that maybe we would see something like that so the cash market came all the way back up to then basically 120 there was even just a handful of cattle that traded on Wednesday at 122 in Kansas 190 in the meat sort of uh, and, uh, you know, he enjoyed three days of limit up. And then it seemed like uh, now the Packer community in general uh, decided, okay, now we've got enough cattle butt. And now we're worried that the box beef might break after all this uh, extra buying that we saw at the retail level as the consumer stocked up uh, for fear of being, um, you know, quarantined for an extended period of time. And now the boxes have broke about $5 off their high. And now the bids right now at about 112 are about $8 already, with the boxes only down $5. Um, I have no way to explain how the packer can even shave in the morning. Um, I, I think it's completely a misinjust, a total injustice what uh, the producer's getting paid versus the packer margins. And believe me, if there was something I could do, I've had four conference calls this week with different trade organizations that I'm engaged and involved with in the cattle business. Uh, and, and we're all um, uh, upset and wondering and trying to find out what we can do about it. So 
Um, these are rare times. Uh, I don't care if I ever see another one like this again. Uh, and we're not through this one yet either, Susan. Well, as as I talked to some some young uh, ag students earlier today, they did talk about this cattle market, and and it was brought up. How do we survive it? How do we move forward when we finish out the week on another negative limit down day? Well, um, <clears throat> one would like to think that uh, cattle feeding always has been a volatile affair. Uh, you know, we, we've all, you know, as old as I am, gone through times of, you know, it's good for a while, and then it's not very good for a while. But then usually, you know, when it's bad, you get a chance to, 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 to reload, as it were. And the old saying of, you know, if you lost your wallet in the cattle yard, you better go back to the cattle yard to find it back, right? Yada, yada. Uh, I've heard all that, and I believe in parts of that. But, you know, I think we need to see some significant changes in the industry for the small, medium, independent-type person like me and your and your listeners for us to be able to compete, uh, and it starts with negotiated trade. Uh, we've got to get rid of uh, this large percentage of formula cattle that are traded, turned in, given away. Uh, if we had more leverage in the country, you know, and the packer was making $600 a head, we would say, no, no, we're not taking bids that make us lose 150 bucks a head. You know, you can come along and, 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 and you can pay more, and, and you'd have a competitive market situation like it used to be. Uh, that's where it starts, in my opinion. I, I think that the CME, frankly, needs to do some evaluation of a futures contract that's got a basis that's $25 below cash. It's totally lost track of the underlying cash market that we're supposed to be trading the futures instrument for. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the trade morphing into the, the algorithm HFT thing has gotten out of hand in my estimation. So um, I'm as upset or more upset than anyone, partly because I maybe understand a little bit of it as well as anyone. Um, um, I don't know. You know, to that young person, I guess that's a good question. The same question I basically rephrased a couple of weeks ago when I was at uh, Denver at an NCBA meeting. How does my grandson have a chance to survive in an industry that's set up this way? Let's hope that we can make some significant changes. You know, sometimes uh, adversity brings improvement, right? So uh, I would like to take you know, the glass half full approach and hope that that we can come out on the other side of this with a better situation for all of us. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, more of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll talk about the hogs. What does a spin on all this mean for the consumer? Because they're looking at all of this and seeing the emptier meat shelves. What does this all mean to them? And, of course, look at the grains. Not as pretty either on that side of the picture. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jenny Benson, president of the Nebraska State Education Association. There are many elements that go into creating a passion for learning, but there are some that rise to the top. Most important is the interaction between student and teacher. Nebraska's 28,000 public school teachers are working every day to inspire their students. Support Nebraska's public schools. Sponsored by the Nebraska State Education Association. Aired in cooperation with the Nebraska Broadcasters Association and this station. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue our conversation with Brad Coima. And before we left for break, we were talking about the happenings of this of this market. And we can't forget the hogs. They, too, have seen another day of, of limit down trade. Are they just kind of starting to follow on the coattails of the cattle at this point? Or do they got to fight all of their own that's brewing? Well, um, you know, the the... We have to go through our once-a-day rumor of a plant closing. Um, 
please. I am sympathetic. Don't anybody misunderstand that I'm making light of a very situ- serious situation. Trust me, I understand that. But yesterday, there was that story came out, you know, that there was a person that tested post- positive for COVID-19 that works at the Smithfield plant in Sioux Falls. Um, the, we were trading actually okay up until that time, and then boom, we go down the limit. You know, everybody forgets to read the rest of the story. The algorithms or whomever the, the the trade is doesn't read to the bottom of the story that says, "Yeah, we sent them home, fourteen days self quarantine. We're running as normal. We intend to continue to run as normal." Um, but that 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 takes the wind out of the sails, right? You know, I mean, it it it, it it's uh, it's hard to turn that sh- bearish ship around. So that just seemed like it just trickled in and followed through into this morning's trade. Now, I thought this morning's trade on the hogs probably still had a little bit of a hangover from uh, the hog report, which I, I'll be honest, I didn't spend near as much time analytically on that as I typically would because, you know, part of me is like, oh, well, the news doesn't make any difference anyway. We're just trading COVID-19, right? Uh, but a report that looked to be kind of vaguely neutral on face value. It looked like also, you know, signaled the end of the expansion phase finally when you looked at the farrowing intentions. But when you look just a little bit careful, you also notice that, oh, part of the reason the numbers are the way they are is because they revised the last report's numbers up a percent and a half. Got to love the USDA. Um, so we're actually saying, so, you know, if you're going like, well, 104%, that's what we thought. What? Yeah, well, actually, it's 104% of a percent, of a one and a half percent more than we thought. Does that make sense? Anyway, I think that was part of the problem on the hogs, too, today. Now, bigger picture on the hogs, I guess I still want to be a long view guy. Um, you know, I, I think that you notice we don't hear much about African swine fever. They're probably going to get around to getting through that. Plus, as China recovers from COVID-19, I think that they're going to have a demand for protein like pork like ours were certainly competitively priced my goodness so i you know i i I hope that this hog thing doesn't stay down here for long hogs don't here have near the h and r trade hotel restaurant trade that the beef does either so i'm hoping that we're a little more quick to recover and bounce back just on the domestic and, and potential export value so for a consumer who is is going to the local grocery store they're wanting to pick up that steak that pork chop and they're seeing very empty shelves how does this all correlate back to them and what we're seeing in prices? Well, curiously enough, not really. Happily, I would say, as I look through it, and I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd about this, these kind of fundamentals, right? I mean, I look at all these, these certain ads every week. You know, you know what I've been encouraged by? These guys, people really, for the most part, are not getting gouged for what, what these meat prices are. Um, you know, if I had to talk to the consumer, I'd say, you know what, the American farmer is going to continue to raise hogs and he's going to continue to raise beef. Um, obviously, we, we would like you to support our product. Um, it's going to be available. Uh, the packer's committed to, to keeping packing plants open. Why? Largely because he's making a ton of money to do it. So he's going to do it with every effort he can. There'll be a supply there. You know, I guess I would say, you know, use your head. Just keep buying it. We're fine. It's going to get warm out. Let's fire up those grills and let's all have a ribeye. There we go. Let's jump over quickly before we have to wrap up on the on the grain side, looking at some lower numbers in the corn market. We know the ethanol industry has had some big hits as well this week, and it's pulling the corn in with them. Yeah, I think you can kind of, you know, one-liner the corn. It's energy. Uh, you know, crude oil down at, you know, in the mid-20s and, uh, the ethanol industry for now, at least upside down. Um, uh, we do have a, a, a planning report Tuesday. Um, 
and um, I believe it's Tuesday. I don't even know what day it is today. I almost, uh, but the 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 shift of the 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 corn bean ratio changed a lot in the last thirty days. I wonder if they'll show anything out up um, on the report. I I'm inclined to think we're closer to the low than pe- most people think. Um, and I'm also inclined to think most of that negative news is is kind of built in. But and 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 I'm wondering why hasn't the market factored at all? I'm running overtime here a little bit. I'm sorry, but you know there's shortages of toilet paper and sanitizer and yada yada. You know what if we have some issues with inputs? I, I wonder if all of those crop input supplies. You know the I think the seeds probably pretty well set, but you know herbicide, insecticide, whatever. Uh, um, I wonder, you know, whether or not there might be a glitch or two here moving into springtime. So um, we'll see. I, I guess I want to have a long view and be a little bit optimistic that the grains are near the lows. All right. Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Smoke signals. No, just kidding. Uh, 800-358-3047. All right. Thanks so much. Brad Coyne has been joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. As we wrap up the week, that is your Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your free podcast. It's a Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.